0: Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Bear with Environmental Defense Fund.
1: And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat.
0: And we are here today celebrating some good news for the coast. Good news. Uh, Yesterday, you may have heard, but there was a big announcement um, by the governor and others that a critical restoration project, the River Reintroduction into Moripaw Swamp, will be moving forward um, and receiving some funding to actually be constructed. So we're going to talk to our first guest about that. Um, She and her organization have been doing a lot. Um, along with many others, to advocate for this project, definitely. And then we're going to have a prior guest on um, later in the show to talk about a new project that um, he's been working on with others, looking at some sites of uh, historic and archaeological importance. But first, I have an important question for you, Simone. No,
1: that's not this portion um, of the program. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a debate <laughs> that raging, is not in the show. Doc.
0: Um, a debate raging oh, uh, across Twitter and elsewhere. And you know, at first I was kind of surprised because I was like, well, you know. I, I mean my experience isn't really what's being reflected in Twitter. So I shared my thoughts, but um, I'm curious. You know, as a Terio who grew up in Homa, mm, I am. Um,
1: Which, by the way, met another Terio in Homa, and I'm like, clearly we're cousins. Turns out we're cousins. Oh, that's <laughs>
0: how it usually works. Um, <laughs> or if you don't think you're cousins, you probably are. Yeah. Regardless, even we if claim we the only good side. So do the Terios and Homa dip their crawfish?
1: Um this Terio dips you dip. I dip, we dip, you dip like um so I will tell you though in reading some of the um the healthy debate, mm-hmm. um, ketchup is so off the table. that's disgusting. Yeah, no. it's just actually disgusting. go away, Houston. but um I think um Tanner McGee um, brought up the point that he likes his dip for other things yes. too, so do I. And then Norby, um, Senator, former Senator Shabir Chos in that. It's like not every tale. It's every.
0: Tenth ta- so um, you, it's like a palate cleanser. Right. And then for me, we, my dad always had the special dip, which was, you know, it was not just ketchup. It was ketchup yes. and creole mustard, yellow mustard, mayo, lemon juice, lean parents, and horseradish. You mix it up and it's like, you know, every, uh, every 10th mm-hmm. tail. but I loved it on the saltines, mm-hmm. you know, See, and, um, the potatoes. and the potatoes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think we can agree on that. We'll it's come like a together. lionese
1: potato or something like that. Well, but-
0: all oh, right. So now that we've I will got th-
1: say I'm not a huge fan of like that kind of central North Louisiana where mm. they boil and then they put their seasoning on there. It mm-hmm. makes it makes your fingers dirty and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm pro dip.
0: I went to one of those yes. You know, sp- but my husband I oh. married a
1: non dipper. Billy's a non
0: dipper. But yeah. yeah, you've been able to make it work. Well, so far, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited to welcome our next guest on the show, um, Stacey Ortigo, Outreach Coordinator with Louisiana Wildlife Federation. So, Stacey, we have to ask. Let's get this out of the way. Do you dip or not dip?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I dip. Okay. There, there's no other way
0: to eat crawfish. <laughs> All right. So, see, you know, don't, uh, just assume just cause you see something crazy coming out of Texas that we all,
1: did you see somebody was like, when I'm in a pinch, I go to, um, cane sauce is a good backup. I was like, Oh, I
0: remember the first time I had cane sauce, you know, you felt the same. Um, I was like, Oh, this is like dad's crawfish sauce. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it could be a good substitute. Yeah. 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 All right, Stacey, now that we got <laughs> that out of the way, you've been very busy. Yeah, you had a good
1: week, Stacey. What'd I you had been, been up very, to? Very busy week. A Very busy week. So, That's um, good. let's say, you've been on the show before. Yes. I have, yes. yes. Okay. Why don't you remind folks what you do uh, and tell us a little bit about Louisiana Wildlife Federation, and then we'll share more of the good news.
2: Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, so, Louisiana Wildlife Federation is a statewide nonprofit organization that focuses on a pretty wide range of conservation and outdoor recreation issues. Uh, so, a lot of our members are hunters, anglers, birders, you name it, um, any outdoor enthusiasts um, are a lot of the folks that, that support us. And in my role as Outreach Coordinator, I develop and implement advocacy campaigns around conservation issues that affect Louisiana. Uh, so part of that work focuses on coastal restoration and protection and raising awareness of and support, support for coastal projects. Uh, so in that role, I also work with the Restore the Mississippi River Delta Coalition uh, with you guys, primarily on outreach.
1: So, you had a good day yesterday in championing one of those projects, right? Yes, yes, very good. So, tell us kind of about the project. Like, what is Maurepas Swamp? Why is it so important?
2: Uh, yes, yeah, so the river reintroduction into Maurepas Swamp is a freshwater diversion project. Uh, it's going to connect the Mississippi River to Maurepas Swamp. It's a hydrologic restoration project in the state's coastal master plan. Uh, located in St. John, St. James, Livingston, and Ascension Parishes. Uh, so a lot of our work has been focused on Maripal Swamp in the last few years. So yesterday we were really excited because the Restore Council voted to include this project in its funded priorities list, which results in $130 million to implement the project. So
1: $130 million for... 45,000 acres benefit. It sounds yeah. like a pretty good deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. And most people know this area, right? I mean, it's a, it used to be a Cypress, Tupelo Swamp, right? And it's a beautiful place. People are familiar with it for its recreational value too, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's It's got a lot of um, recreational value that unfortunately has been degrading over the years. Uh, so this project, we're really excited that it's finally getting the attention it deserves, the money it deserves, because project's been talked about for you know about 20 years now
0: (laughs) and it must be pretty incredible i mean you were at the announcement yesterday um and i know there were a lot of people who have worked on that project for quite a long time um so what was it like there when it actually was announced that this project would be moving forward and receiving funding
2: a lot of smiles in the room a lot of relief Uh, i think a lot of a lot of folks have been have spent years and years working on this project to get it to where it is today and although it's you know not completely over yet it's it's Much of what needed to be done uh, is going to be able to happen now with this Restore Council vote. So there was a lot of good energy in the room, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and you'll be able to keep us posted on the progress, we hope, and then we'll look forward to more great announcements on projects just like that um, that we've been uh, champions for. But I I have to say – Louisiana Wildlife Federation has just totally, you know, been stand up on this and have led the way. And it's something that y'all should really, really be proud of. And I hope that you got to have a drink or something last night.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, There was definitely some, some celebrating after a lot of work. But uh, so it's, it's been a long time coming and we're, we're really excited. We focused on this project a lot over the last few years. So it's, it's nice to see it get to, to where it's going. And we're looking forward to see this continue and can't wait for a, for them to break ground on this.
0: It'll be an exciting day. So, Stacey, I know, I mean, it's obviously a day and a week to celebrate, but we're still pushing, right, because we want this project to move forward. And, in fact, um, our organization and Louisiana Wildlife Federation are working to push um, for, you know, some potential funding and, 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 and that this project be considered as mitigation for a nearby levy project. And that kind of decision lies with the Army Corps of Engineers. So tell us quickly about that and also where people can go if they want to express support for the Morapah uh, diversion so that it can move forward um, as a mitigation option under the Corps' plan.
2: Yeah. So um, while we, we got some great news yesterday, like you said, there's still some work to be done. Uh, so the Corps has released uh, a draft environmental assessment that's currently accepting public comments until March 2nd. Um, it was hoped for or kind of expected that this environmental assessment would include this Maura um, project as mitigation for the West Shore Lake Pontchartrain levy project. Uh, in doing so, that would help the state save both time and money um, because there's some permitting that otherwise might not have had to been done if it was going to be constructed along with the course project uh... it also would save money in doing so because it's using using it as mitigation would help the state save money on the project which as we all know we need all the help we can get in order to stretch our dollars to do the most good uh... so unfortunately right now that project is not included in, as an alternative for mitigation for that project so we're um, working with you, know, you guys and some other groups to really get the public to put some comments in to the core before that deadline of March 2nd. So we have, if you go to our website, uh, LAWildlifefed, as lawildlifefed.org, uh, we have an action alert that's live now that you can go and very easily send comments. Um, we have all the information there already. It already has the core's email, so you, you literally just have to go in, put your name, and, and shoot the message forward. Um, So you can also find out more information about the project uh, at CPRA's website. It's coastal.la.gov forward slash news forward slash So You can get a lot of information about the project. Uh, And you can get more information about Louisiana Wildlife Federation at our website. Uh, we've also joined the Instagram world this year, so look at you. yeah. <laughs> TikTok <laughs> so you look is next. <laughs> <laughs> so on Facebook and uh, Instagram, you can find us at Louisiana Wildlife Federation. We're also on Twitter at LA Wildlife.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for all that information, Stacy. We certainly want to give a shout out uh, to CPRA as well. Check out their social media. They had a beautiful video um, that they put together for the uh Paw Project. And if it weren't for them continuously pu- pushing at the Restore Council, uh, they wouldn't have been able to secure such a big project. But they do it with the support of great organizations like Louisiana Wildlife Federation. So, thank you, Stacy. We'll have you back on soon. I know y'all never stop over there. I'm sure y'all got some other cool things planned we'll have you on in the future and we'll talk about it then
2: all right thank you guys so much okay thanks Thanks, stacy thanks bye-bye
1: you're listening to delta dispatches we'll be right back after the break
3: National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect Coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org slash Louisiana. Hi,
0: I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up, I wanna talk to you about something important the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress that has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore a Retreat
1: is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long term and large scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at (laughs) www.restoreorretreat.org.
0: Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund.
1: And I'm a dipper, Simone Laws, with Restore Retreat.
0: (laughs) That'll have to be your tagline for the next (laughs) week or so. Um, Well, it is time for our Coastal Voice of the Week. Um, And I like this one. It's short and sweet and to the point. Tina from New Iberia says, it's my back door. Thank you, Tina. So, thank you, Tina. And remember that you can always go online, restorethecoast.org, share your perspectives on what the coast means to you, and we might just read it one day on the air.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Lucky you.
0: So, Simone, um, you know, we talked about the dip, we talked about Maura What else has been going on in your world? I mean, you've been, you've just been been all over the place. We
1: just had that conversation, right? We've been crazy busy lately. Mm -hmm. It certainly has not let up. um, And we have a busy week right before we enter. The We
0: haven't debriefed from Queen Bess.
1: Oh, goodness gracious. I know, no. That was a
0: great. So Simone and I were on the road. Um, uh, Jacques was
1: trapped in the car with me <laughs> for four hours.
0: No, which is great. I, lo- I don't like driving that much. <laughs> so it was perfect. Um, but yeah, we got to go out to Queen Bess and see mm-hmm. the dedication of that awesome um, new bird island. I
1: forgot we didn't talk about that. Queen Bess is so, it's impressive, but it's so much more impressive in person to mm-hmm. be out there and to see it. And I talked to Todd Baker from Wildlife and Fisheries this week, and they've already seen a return of some birds, um, which is even sooner than they expected. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really pumped. And actually, that was like a turning point for me because I I didn't really feel a connection to Queen Bass, and it was amazing mm-hmm. to go out
0: there. Yeah, you're literally pumped because pumped. they Pumped. pumped sediment well they actually barged in sediment from mm-hmm. the river and then so they pumped it pumped, barged it. it and repumped it yeah exactly and it's quite an a, a expansive mm-hmm. island um and just a really great story to see that um project restored you know obviously it's through funding from the oil spill settlement um and so important for birds which we know were so greatly impacted um from the oil spill so we hope to bring you more stories um uh reflecting on 10 years since the BP oil spill um and you know what that that time was like i think we're going to have some of our staff and some Mm -hmm. of our partners who were here at the time talk about that um reflect on that that period but also talk about what's happened since so um look for that and uh, on delta dispatches but now we're excited to have a prior guest on the show um we've we've touched on the issue of um archaeology and kind of some of the critical, historic, and culturally significant sites that exist along our coast, and really how they're being impacted by um, coastal land loss before with Brian Ostahowski. So he's back, and he's brought some friends, but we're going to talk to him first and kind of catch up. So welcome back to Delta Dispatches, Brian. So
1: Brian, are we better than you remembered? Have we improved? Well, you said my name right. (laughs) (laughs) We had a whole lesson on that, if I remember correctly. People people get it wrong all the time, you guys get it wrong. It's Cajun. Yep. We talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did we Cajunify your name? We tend to do that sometimes. I so.
0: do, but uh, just to touch
4: on what you said, I I don't dip. I'm,
1: oh. not, I'm not gonna lie. That's okay. Dip. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Have well, you, what, you have dipped and just don't like it?
4: Yeah, I think it's a little it's a little much, but but I do like it spicy, so I won't. Okay. Maybe have
1: Okay, I'm fair. I'm fair. We won't kick you out just yet, mostly because we got to cover a couple of segments. So, <laughs>
0: so, Brian, for those who may have not caught the prior episode, um, tell us a little bit about your background and some of the work that you're doing here in Louisiana. Sure. Uh,
4: I'm an archaeologist working in, uh, as many professional archaeologists do, in a field called what's called cultural resource management. And that's basically archaeology that's not in an academic field. And so we do projects that have federal permits and things like that. Um we we do projects that have federal permits and things like that, um, and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and because of that, uh, I worked on the BP oil spill project, the cleanup related to that, and uh, worked on that from 2013 to th- 2016. And uh, in doing that project, we uh, surveyed uh, all of the nooks and crannies that the coastline has in Louisiana, all the way to Florida. Uh, And I was on the archaeological team that was making sure that um, the oil spill cleanup wasn't impacting archaeological sites. But in the same time, we're also discovering new sites. And in doing that project, I realized that a lot of sites that people had uh, recorded 20, 30 years ago, or maybe even 10 years ago, were now like totally submerged, um, many times by like hundreds of meters offshore. It was like sort of a big encounter uh, for me. Um, Of course, people have known that in a Delta environment like that we live in down here in, in Southern Louisiana. That uh, that the it's a very dynamic, and that land loss does occur. But it was sort of shocking to see that all of these uh, archaeological sites that were important to understanding the history and prehistory of Southern Louisiana were uh, were now offshore and likely impacted by water, or maybe even totally destroyed. So. Um, I've been sort of beating the drum for advocacy. I feel like we're still in the advocacy phase of, of that. Um, you know, archaeology, of course, you know, you have um, uh, living people are the, the most important asset we have, and we take care of them, but oftentimes the things that we think about the, la- uh, the least are the things that are underground, and that's what archaeology is, right? And um, so uh, sort of uh, my, myself and my colleagues and the project that we've done is sort of beating the drum to show that Uh, that these archaeological sites do have a lot to contribute, and we're really happy to be able to pull off a project like this uh, and have it be interdisciplinary in nature, which I think is probably the coolest part of it.
0: Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about the project that you're working on, um, but can you help set kind of the stage for us in terms of like some of the cultures and societies um, that, you know, claim some of these sites and kind of what Give us a, a, a perspective on Louisiana's coast and and kind of the record that exists um, from some of these the peoples over time.
4: Right. So, uh, coastal Louisiana, uh, as as we all know, uh, is has been created by the Mississippi River and uh, these deltaic uh, lobes. These lobes that were created by uh, sediment-rich water created these huge expanses. Uh, uh, Here south, uh, basically south of Baton Rouge, you know, you're talking west all the way to Cameron Parish and to east to basically Slidell, uh, over thousands of years, about 6,000 years old. And um, we, uh, through archaeology, we've understood that, you know, when when land was available, uh, Native Americans that were living here uh, would... uh, would inhabit those areas just, just for the same reasons that we do it today, because they are rich in resources. Uh, and uh, what's a lot of a lot of good archaeologists, a lot of great archaeologists uh, that came before myself and my colleagues have really uh, set a huge uh, have set the standard of understanding the human environmental like co uh, like cohabitation, where you know certain lobes of the Mississippi and uh, Delta that were had become inactive, for example, became in- incredibly rich with with vegetation, and then um, you know then you have your land, sea, and air uh, animals that would come, and then uh, Native Americans and people would would go there and live there, uh, and for you know for the last like six thousand years, uh, folks have. Uh, We have a good archaeological record that, you know, when the Mississippi River would sort of move in different Deltaic lobes, we have different areas and it's sort of – or we have different cultures that would come. So the oldest cultures would be available on the – the oldest cultures would be available on the oldest land and the newest cultures are sort of around uh, on the newer land. And some of the work that we do, just from where we are located in New Orleans – is, uh, is south of us in Plaquemines Parish. And so uh, the Plaquemines Lobe, uh, Deltaic Lobe, was sort of created around a th- um, 1000 AD. And so some of the cultures that we're studying there, um, the Coles Creek and Plaquemines culture, uh, it, it, they were there from about 1200 AD to about 1500 AD, right about contact with uh, European uh, uh, settlers and people that were just exploring the area.
0: Great. And um, we do want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the project. We're about to head into a break, but could you tell us a little bit more about where folks can learn more about your organization and this project specifically?
4: So uh, we have a, uh, well, we, we have a, uh, we have a video, uh, we have a movie, that a film that was produced as part of this project. Uh, we have a website from that. I'll let Peyton tell you about that. But uh, I'm a part of the Louisiana Archaeological Society, which is LAarchaeologicalsociety.org. But also, uh, one of the big uh, big efforts that's going on right now um, with archaeologists here are uh, with Mark Reese at Louisiana Lafayette uh, and Tad Britt with uh, the National Park Service up in Natchitoches, where they're doing a systematic survey, and that's called the Mississippi River Archaeological Archaeological uh, Delta Archaeological Mit- Mitigation Project or Mr. Dam Project, and there is uh, there's going to be a lot coming out of that in the next few years. We're hoping maybe we can come back and talk about that too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: A, yeah, I mean, gotta love a good acronym. So we're about to head into a break. Um, we'll be right back with Brian Ostahuski and some of his colleagues on Delta Dispatches.
5: We're on the ASPN Network. Coastal news for the pelagic-minded.
0: And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. we're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund.
1: And I'm Samoma Laws with Restore or Retreat.
0: And we are joined uh, with... By Brian Astahowski. Um, We're talking about Full House today! (laughs) Coastal Archaeology. Um, And we're also going to have his colleagues, um, Dr. Theodore Ted Marks, who's a faculty uh, member in the academic studio at New Orleans School for the Creative Arts, NOCA, and uh, Center for Creative Arts, (laughs) forgive me, Um, and Peyton Finch, um, director of the film and a former, former NOCA student. So welcome to Delta Dispatches. So uh, I guess we'll go to you. Is it okay if we call you Ted? Yeah. All right, okay. Ted. Tell us a little bit about your background.
5: Um, let's see. So I I uh, I've lived in New Orleans since I was about 18 years old. Um, I was originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I came down here, went to Tulane,
1: and a Cajun girl. <laughs> That's then, how every story yeah. <laughs> goes, by the way. <laughs> I'm stuck. Like, <laughs> well, dip. Uh, she dips. She she
5: dips. I, I I won't lie. Like I like it both ways. <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got no type. Um, um, yeah, but uh, I, uh, I did my doctoral work um, actually primarily almost in like the opposite of southern Louisiana in um, uh, Namibia uh, on uh, like uh, roughly 20,000-year-old sites uh, out in the middle of the Namib desert, like one of the driest places on the planet. And so, um, but I came back here uh, because it was part of our wedding vows that we would come back to New Orleans. <laughs> um, and uh, I met Brian started our little
1: group, uh, GCRI, and uh, we've been pursuing. I'm sorry. Oh. Closer. Oh, closer. Sorry. We need to um, hear you. <laughs> Did <dead. laughs>
5: we started uh, our uh, little nonprofit, uh, GCRI, to uh, pursue grants for um, uh, for research and education around uh, some of the issues that I mean we're talking about here about uh, archaeology, and um, I'm also like like you said I've I've been a faculty member uh, at NOCA for the past about five years where I teach math and science in there. So like math and and earth and environmental sciences.
0: Awesome, and we definitely wanna talk about NOCA's involvement and students particularly, but I wanna introduce Peyton Finch who actually went to NOCA and directed the film um, about Bay Adams. So welcome to Delta Dispatches, Peyton. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um,
3: Hi, I'm Peyton Finch. I'm 18 years old. I go to Loyola University, New Orleans, and I'm majoring in graphic design. Um, I was actually uh, Dr. Marks' student at NOCA <laughs> so mm-hmm.
0: yeah awesome um, and how cool that you got to work on this project in high school yeah. and have this credit like going mm-hmm. into college I know a lot of filmmakers are probably like wow I didn't start my first film until well mm-hmm. after so, um, so Brian tell us a little bit about the Bay Adams project and how it came about kind of what you're seeking to do with it
4: so um, myself, uh, Ted, and our third collaborator, who, who couldn't make it here today, uh, who's because he's a faculty member at uh, Florida State University. So you
1: left him working, just he, to be clear? Okay, yeah. Okay.
4: <laughs> he was like, I can call in. I was like, we're good, we got three. <laughs> I'll come in for the weekend. No, but his name is uh, Jay Meta, And uh, we, uh, we wanted to uh, look at sites and, and try to do research at sites that were threatened by, uh, by coastal land loss. Uh, Bay Adams, I had been going out there for a while. And, or the Adams Bay site, and it's um, it's located uh, just outside of the town of Empire, and uh, it's uh, about a 20-minute boat ride from uh, the marina in Empire. And uh, we knew that it was eminently uh, being uh, eaten away, for lack of a better term, uh, by uh, you know by the by whether it's land loss or it's erosion or it's a combination of all of it, but it was actively being decayed. Uh, and I knew this because I visited it was part of the BP project mm-hmm. and it was buffered by like 30 feet of Marsh Island and in just like six years all of that had been eaten away and the water was sort of laterally eating it the way Pac-Man would and what this site is is this site is a group of three earthen mounds that were created by Native Americans associated with what we call the Plaquemines culture and uh, each of the mounds were like 50 or the, the bigger mound, the mound that we did our study on was like 50 meters by like 30 meters, it's about five feet tall, right? So it was really large, and folks would have lived on top of this and, and also had like a plaza in the middle, but this was a group of three, and one of the mounds was totally gone, and this, the main mound, what we call mound one, was like half eaten. So um, we decided to go for a National Geographic grant to look at, we wanted to look at it holistically, and what I mean by that is we wanted to look at the vegetation we want to look at why is this eroding so fast? Is it because of the health of the island? Like, are there um, environmental factors such as, you know, is it, the, is it not just the wave action? Is it related to the health of the vegetation there? Is it like the Russo cane? And we have these invasive species of, uh, like the scales that are mm-hmm. out there as well. We want to see is, are they sick? So we also had someone uh, named Joey Bro from Louisiana um, LSU's um, agriculture department. He came out there and we did a vegetation survey and it looked like everything was healthy, but. But nonetheless, the site was actively being eroded and it was being eroded by like something like, I think, Ted, and the way we measure this is by, we took points along a shoreline with like a GPS unit. It's like a meter, like a year or something uh, like that.
0: R-
5: roughly about that,
4: It yeah. so seems
1: like a pretty significant thing to eat away at too, right? I mean, I mean, this is like taking a bite of right? an elephant. I mean, I mean this I mean, isn't yeah. a delicate shoreline either. It's right? like, a, I mean, ima- imagine
5: a very small pyramid and it's, it's just chopping it in half. I mean, just uh, huge amounts. It's.
4: Right, and there's tons of information out of every bite that's taken, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, you know, we, we were able to see through what they call stratigraphy, or sort of mm-hmm. the, the, the profile of all the soils. We are able to see living surfaces where folks would have lived on, and there's like discarded items like shells and other bones, like animal bones, so you could tell like what people were eating mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and from that, um, one of the good things we were able to do is we were able to take um, radiocarbon samples. I'm sure everybody who knows a little bit about archeology span has heard of radiocarbon samples and uh, we were able to date this mound site uh, to like 1430 to 1450, and that was really important for us to do that, uh, if only to demonstrate that these sites that are sort of on the edge and being destroyed still have something to contribute.
0: And, and Ted, tell us how does NOCA fit in and, and what made you wanna get involved in this project?
5: Um, well, so uh, NOCA at the academic, excuse me, at the academic studio, um, we really our focus on teaching is really on multidisciplinary like project based learning and and bringing together in the the arts in there too um and when we wrote this grant like it almost i i almost it never occurred to me not to do this you know to um to bring some students in here because i mean it was i i thought it was just like a fantastic opportunity to get students out there doing real scientific work in the field hands on um and like I mean, archeology span is just, it's a really fantastic way f- to teach science, you know, because it's not just bringing in, um,
0: it's not just like,
5: like listening to a lecture and reading a book and stuff like that. You go out there and you're getting your hands dirty and you're, t- you're taking measurements, you're making maps, um, you're, you're learning about soil science, about uh, ecology, botany, um, geology, geomorphology, all these different topics that come together in the study of the site. And so um, we were able to bring out six students uh, from the media arts department uh, over in the uh, summer before last, um, and they were able to participate in everything that we're doing out there, collecting samples, making maps, um, drawing profiles, all all the things that we do, I mean, collecting vegetation samples. Uh, We were also able to um, get some of the samples back, and we were able to use it in the classroom as part of a, uh, a joint program with the University of New Orleans uh, for dual enrollment so that the uh, mm-hmm. kids could earn college credit. And they uh, analyzed the samples in the lab at, at NOCA. They identified different kinds of plants. Um, we did a technique called flotation, where you take soil samples <coughs> excuse me, and uh, put them in water, basically, stir them up, and you can get like small botanical remains out of there. So. Um, I, I mean. I think that, I mean, the kids got a lot out
1: of it. And yeah. I was only going to say, you know, one of my favorite questions on Delta Dispatches is like, did little Brian always want to do this, right? <laughs> Digging the dirt for things or little Ted, right? I did. But I, mean, but I, I asked five years but ago. I ask that all the time because, I mean, but what you're saying too is that, you know, you're also telling kids that I have a job doing this, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's okay if you want to be this, right? That like when you grow up, how do you know that you could be like, they are really do. They need you know, yeah. like archaeologists yeah. now, like those kinds of things. But that's important, right? And the pipeline yeah. that you're in is really important yeah, to that absolutely. discussion too. So,
0: and how did they respond? I mean, being out there, I'm sure many of them probably haven't hadn't been to a place like that before and, and do that done that I kind mean, of work. I've never been to a I place mean, like that. You know, <laughs> I
5: mean, Peyton could probably speak to that better than I could. But um, it did really. I mean, I think like particularly also like we teach a lot about the master plan in class um, and. And I mean, seeing the stuff out there is, is is a whole different experience. Though I mean, when you see the diversion projects and, and the construction around there, um, and what's happening, and getting actually to meet fishermen and, and boat caps and stuff like that, and people who um, have experienced like how the landscape has changed, I mean, it just brings a whole new perspective. For and and I saw that in, in kids and in their responses there. That I mean, that they just I mean a lot of these kids they're 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 they've never. Really been so far south, you know, and like I mean, from New Orleans, Mandeville, Metairie, stuff like that. So, um, I I mean, again, Peyton could probably say more, but like I I I think they got a lot out of it um, in terms of appreciation of what's out there and what's threatened.
0: Yeah. And when we come back, we, we do want to get your perspective, Peyton, and really talk about the film and kind of what inspired it. Um, really quick, though, before we go to break, um, I know people can actually go online and see the film and, and also to learn more about the project. So what's the website for the film? Um,
3: www.adamsbayproject.org. Awesome. That's where you can access the website.
0: Great. And film. Great. Well, we will be right back with our guests um, on Delta Dispatches. As a reminder, you can listen to us anytime on deltadispatches.org. We'll be right back.
5: From the bottom of the Marianas Trench, this is ASPN, the American Shoreline Podcast Network. News for the pelagic-minded.
0: And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Aver with Environmental Defense Fund.
1: And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat.
0: And uh, this week's coastal stat uh, comes from AdamsBayProject.org, the the website that we're talking about today. Um, And the stat is over the past three decades, Plaquemines Parish has lost a total of two archaeological sites each year. At this rate, all of the known sites will be lost by 2031. And, I mean... That is a sobering stat. Um, it, you know, is a, a reminder of the urgency of which you know we're all working to restore and protect as much of our coast as possible. But I guess for you, Brian, it's also um, a reminder of how important it is to document these sites and kind of do what we can to to understand where they are, what they are.
4: Yes, that's correct. Um, especially these. Um, I mean, it's it's no surprise to hear that in the parishes where you have the most land loss, the most number of terrestrial archaeological sites are are also endangered. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're working back from, from a number where, um, you know, so, so one thing about that statistic is that there are always going to be archaeological sites that are historic in nature that are like protected by the Mississippi levee, but all those sites that are sort of open air that are outside the levee system, those are sort of doomed unless we do something about it. So I think that a project like this that highlights, um, a site, what's happening to a site, and what it can provide to our history uh, of the area is is, is doubly important now.
0: Mm-hmm. And Peyton, I wanna talk to you, cause I mean, you yeah. were out there documenting it and, and you were as a high school student, yeah. correct? Doing this work. So what tell us what that experience was like for you.
3: Um, as a junior in high school, getting the chance to feel like not only a scientist, but also a real filmmaker is like such a rare opportunity. So, um, yeah, it was a very gratifying experience in both regards. I feel like I learned a lot, both in the archaeological side and also making a film in the field.
1: So before this, did you know a lot about land loss? Did you kind of feel connected to that, or did this kind of get you over that?
3: Um, I was familiar with it just from being here, but I think I learned way more than I expected to from being in this project just being involved um archaeological field work was not something i knew (laughs) anything about before i you know joined this project so that was really cool
1: so little peyton wanted to be a
3: filmmaker a graphic artist or um yeah documentary filmmaker very
1: cool
0: awesome and um in terms of like getting the film and kind of taking the story of this place and kind of what's happening. Tell us a little bit about your process and kind of what went into um, making the film as you did.
3: Yeah, we started pre-production, I think in late April of 2018. So we were working on it for a while, but me and my peers, there are an additional five, um, we all worked together to sort of put together what we wanted to come out of this creatively because they gave us complete creative freedom over what we wanted to do. So we decided that we wanted to do a website and a documentary. Um, So we all contributed in different ways to both of those efforts. Um, Yeah, we had like a mood board that we went through and then, you know, went back and forth with like a lot of different ideas. Um, I watched a lot of nature documentaries just to get an idea of what kind of shots and like editing I wanted to have in mind. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a learning process.
0: Yeah, well, it's a very powerful film and website. I Thank mean, you. I learned so much. Um, you know, I had some uh, understanding of the site, but you learned so much more um, l- watching the film and looking at the website. Um, and we were talking about this during the break, but just how powerful films are mm-hmm. as a way to engage people and communicate some of these really complex and challenging issues. Mm-hmm. So um, one more time, where can people go to, to learn about the film and see it?
3: Um, to learn more just about the Adams Bay site, but then also the film. It's all on www.adamsbayproject.org.
0: Awesome. And yeah. I think I read in your bio that you're also working on a book about invasive species yes. in Louisiana. So tell <laughs> yeah. us about that.
3: Um, so I've been working on that since I was 16. Um, so you, did,
5: you started as a project
3: for my yeah. It's I, I was actually oh, okay, Dad. As a all right, enough okay, so, Um It started. Off no, oh God, no! It's 100% <laughs> 100%. It started off as like an assignment, and then um, I was actually chosen to present the very first draft of it to the school. And then I was like, you know, after doing that, I realized that there was no resource like that available. Like, hey, man! I did all the work. That was digestible. <laughs> you know for anyone my age to learn about invasive species it's mostly just scientific papers so i wanted to create something that was digestible but also like visually interesting so i've been working on that for a while
1: favorite invasive species
3: oh i don't i wouldn't say favorite (laughs) but most visually appealing um I don't know, I like the Chinese tallow, I like uh, the water hyacinth, I guess. Yeah, that one, that's yeah, got a weird, pick, neat story, too, Yeah, yeah
1: that they brought it here for the fair and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Can I just
5: say, though, because I mean, this really just speaks to who Peyton is as a person, though. I mean, she, this was, this was, it, was a, it was a class assignment, and she, um, she came back with this, this book that was just incredible. I mean, it was, it was so far above and beyond what we would have ever expected a high school student to produce. Um, I mean, we we, we were like, you, you have to publish this. Like, you absolutely have. Because, again, it, I mean, like she said, it, it's never been done before. And, it, and it's beautiful on top of that. I mean, it's, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm just gushing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's expecting the forward to be dedicated to him too, by the way. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, Peyton,
0: um, I mean, we've had other high school students on before um, yeah. who have had some involvement in, co- in the coast. And I think one thing that's just really been striking to me um, in doing this work is I feel like, You know, people of your generation and younger, they have so much more understanding and um, passion for Louisiana's coast and these issues than I think I ever did in high school or knowledge, certainly. Um, So, I mean, do you find that with your generation that, like, I mean, living in Louisiana, growing up here, going to high school, that you know, issues of the coast are more resonant with you all? Um, and, and and not to speak in broad brushes, but I guess I just did. Um, so, <laughs>
3: um, Yeah, I do think so. It is actually something that I talk about a lot with other people that are my age. So, you know, I think so. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think one of the cool things, too, um, you know, you can be if you want, but you don't have to just be a scientist to, to work Absolutely. on these issues, right? Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, cool. Um, and, Ted, is this something that you think NOCA will continue to pursue in terms of doing this sort of environmental coastal education for our students? Yeah, I hope so.
5: Um, we are uh, we're planning to reapply for National Geographic money um, and, uh, and NOCA has been very supportive of us uh, through this entire uh, thing. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we would absolutely like to continue doing this. There are a lot of other sites out there uh, that absolutely need to be studied, looked at, documented. Um, and it's urgent right yeah. now. So yeah. yeah, and I mean, there's, a, I, we can get as many students out there as possible to learn and appreciate all this stuff
0: out there. Yeah. Awesome, well, thank you all so much for being on. I guess time for a fun question to end the show. Um, so I don't know, it's getting to be about that time. I know Simone's getting her throws ready to ride in Iris, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the question is neutral ground side or uh. sidewalk side?
1: I'm I'm biased, totally biased. Uh, I, uh, she won't
0: tell you what side she's gonna be on. Uh, well,
1: I'm usually in the parades. So. Uh, <laughs> good answer.
0: Okay, that's, that's the a good parade. answer. In the parades, <laughs>
3: not neutral. What about you, Ben? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent. <laughs> yeah. Ryan. Um.
4: Ted and I are actually in a Mardi Gras crew together, so we we are marching. y'all rolling Elvi? No, uh. no we're uh, we're part of the lucha crew. Oh, we're like uh,
0: oh yeah, I, yeah. the we're, fighters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, so we're
4: in those parades, um, but I would be lying to you if I said I'm not I'm not a neutral ground kind
2: of guy.
0: Okay, yeah, you got the guess, kind of got the space. Is and that the look you're... from a sidewalk person? No, I'm a neutral. Oh ground. good, yeah, good. good. Made, I made the switch
1: about two years ago. It was a big deal. Never I had, going back. I had to lobby. It absolutely makes a huge difference. It's great. It is I'm I'm whichever side
5: is closer. <laughs>
1: yeah. but Brian's right I mean that the, the you can spread out and the, oh man the sidewalks like uh, you know um, but it is it is absolutely my favorite time of year um, my little girl thinks that we should have a king cake in our house every single day like if there's not one she doesn't understand that like why why not you <laughs> only have so many weeks to have a king cake it's like girl scout cookies like must have king cake so it's by far my favorite time of year how I about gr- you i agree
0: with this p i think uh it's a shame that i have not had a piece of randazzo's king cake yet <laughs> and in fact well, don't admit I, that, yeah. I, I need a good... I will say yeah, growing yeah.
1: up in homa we didn't have neutral ground side or sidewalk side we had mall or Bayou side, all and, um, well, and I think it, I know its side you're you a yeah, you you mall side, right? You could totally catch the parade twice if you hurried up from the start <laughs> of the parade to the end of the parade, and so that was growing up. And home was like,
0: so <laughs> you way. were both mall oh, yeah, and Bayou. Oh yeah, I definitely
1: Mali caught it twice too. By the way, yes, there. indeed. So
0: well, awesome. Um, well, thank you to all of our guests for being on. Stacy Ortega with Louisiana Wildlife Federation. Congratulations to the Louisiana Wildlife Federation Coastal Protection Restoration Authority, and all the people who are going to benefit it from um the more Plus swamp being protected and restored and thanks so much brian ted and peyton for coming on and talking about the bay adams project it's certainly a very important project and worth checking out and one more time the website for that is
3: www.adamsbayproject.org
0: awesome well we'll certainly want to have you back and hear about what else is going on i know there's no shortage of things to talk about as relates to this topic. So thank you for joining. Um, We will be back next week um, with some more great guests talking about ways to get out in our coast and enjoy it um, while learning about it. So some ecotourism friends are going to be joining us.